Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the October 28th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're going to look at numbers 2443 through 2449 of the Catechism. 6. Love for the poor. 2443. God blesses those who come to the aid of the poor and rebukes those who turn away from them. Give to him who begs from you. Do not refuse him who would borrow from you. You have received without pay, give without pay. It is by what they have done for the poor that Jesus Christ will recognize his chosen ones. When the poor have the good news preached to them, it is a sign of Christ's presence. 2444. The Church's love for the poor is a part of her constant tradition. This love is inspired by the Gospel of the Beatitudes, of the poverty of Jesus and of his concern for the poor. Love for the poor is even one of the motives for the duty of working so as to be able to give to those in need. It extends not only to material poverty, but also to the many forms of cultural and religious poverty. 2445. Love for the poor is incompatible with the moderate love of riches or their selfish use. Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures for the last days. Behold the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, who, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have killed the righteous man. He does not resist you. 2446 St. John Chrysostom vigorously recalls this. Not to enable the poor to share in our goods is to steal from them and deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours but theirs. The demands of justice must be satisfied. First of all, that which is already due in justice is not to be offered as a gift of charity. When we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing works of mercy, We are paying a debt of justice. 2447. The works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbour in his spiritual and bodily necessities. Instructing, advising, consoling, comforting our spiritual works of mercy as we are forgiving and bearing wrongs patiently. The corporal works of mercy consist especially in feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and imprisoned and burying the dead. Among all these, giving alms to the poor is one of the chief witnesses to fraternal charity. It is also a work of justice pleasing to God. He who has two coats, let him share with the one who has none, and he who has food must do likewise. But give alms, those things which are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, 
without giving him them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? 2448. In its various forms, material deprivation, unjust impression, physical and psychological illness and death, human misery, is the obvious sign of the inherited condition of frailty and need for salvation in which man finds himself as a consequence of original sin. This misery elicited the compassion of Christ the Saviour, who willingly took it upon himself and identified himself with the least of his brethren. Hence, those who are oppressed by poverty are the object of a preferential love on the part of the Church, which, since her origin and in faith of failings of many of her members, has not ceased to work for their relief, defence and liberation through numerous works of charity, which remain indispensable always and everywhere. 2449. Beginning with the Old Testament, all kinds of judicial measures, the Jubilee Year of Forgiveness of Debts, Prohibition of Loans at Interest, and the Keeping of Collateral, the Obligation to Tithe, the Daily Payment of the Day Labourer, the Right to Glean Vines and Fields, Answers to the Exhortation of Deuteronomy, For the Poor You Will Never Cease Out of the Land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor of the land. Jesus makes these words his own. The poor you will always have with you, but you will n- but do you will not always have me. In so doing, he does not soften the vehemence of the former oracles against buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, but invites us to recognise his own presence in the poor who are his brethren. When when her mother approached her, reproached her for caring for the poor and the sick at home. St. Rose of Lima said to her, When we serve the poor and the sick, we serve Jesus. We must not fail to help our neighbours, because in them we serve Jesus. Okay, this is the end of the section. That um, Really, to see um, how, we need to, um, how we need to take care of the poor. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. In a sense, if we are rich, the riches is not just ours, even if you've worked for it. But that we have an obligation to take take care of the less fortunate. And not to say, oh, I'm going to leave this for the millionaires. I'm going to leave this for the billionaires. I'm going to leave this for somebody that's got more money than me. No, each one of us is called to look after the poor. In a sense, it's a way of bringing your wealth with you to the next life. If you give money to the poor, it's like depositing it in an account for heaven. It's like every time you give something to the poor, it's like they they, they prepare a suitcase and they bring it ahead of you. And it will be waiting for you. Because everything else is just going to stay in your bank account and your, uh, your children will probably end up fighting over it. But if we give money to the poor, then this money, in a sense, is being taken to heaven for us. And all of this cooperation with the poor is ultimately, yes, it's to love everybody. It's to say that everybody has a human dignity. But also the very tradition of the church from the very beginning is to say that in the poor, we have the treasure of the church. The church's treasure is not 
the um, the antiques or the works of art that might be in the Vatican or in different dioceses around the world. Sure, they're beauty. They're beautiful. Sure, they're treasures. They're very nice to look at. Um, many times it would be good to look at them. But this is not the treasure of the church. The treasure of the church is the poor people. And this is why the church always has a social ministry to take care of the poor. Because by serving the poor, also we serve Christ himself. That maybe we don't see it. Maybe they don't say thank you to us. Maybe they do things we'd rather they didn't do. But still, they make Jesus Christ present for us and they allow us to, uh, to give him things, to pay him his proper respect. At the end of the day, it's only money. This is why, as I alluded to yesterday, this is why the, the Christian is called to give 10%. To give 10% to charity, to give 10% to, I suppose, between the church and uh, proper charities. And I would say proper charities because today there are many things calling themselves charities that are working out of a very different conception of what humanity is and promoting acts and uh, practices that are against Christian values. So the Catholic Church, yes, has to invest in the poor. Yes, has to help build day centres and hospitals and so many things for the poor. Without judging them, without saying, oh, you should be working, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. So the church has this responsibility. But apart from the church, because here, I mean, the majority of people listening to me don't have particular functions in the church. The majority of those listening are not bishops. So they don't have the authority to uh, set up special ministries and the rest of it. Although if it's possible to cooperate in one, that would be no harm. So really, we, have, we are called not so much to, um, to, to do big things, but to do little things. To take care of people with the little we have. To share from the little we have. And when we do this, God blesses us. Like the widow of Zarephath that Elisha went to. And she only had enough ready for one meal. And he asked her to share with him, and she did. And the, the, the one meal's worth of food for herself and her son ended up lasting for years. And this is what God invites us to, to see that he is generous, that he could fabricate money and have everybody win the lottery that needed money. But he doesn't do that because he wants us to be generous with our money, with our goods, with our time, and to bring us really to depend more on him, to rest more on him and to find the eternal life that he offers us also in caring for the poor. So very well, so we finished this, um, this commandment and so I'm just going to read the in brief section. 2450, you shall not steal. Neither thieves, nor the greedy, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. 2451, the seventh commandment enjoins the practice of justice and charity in the administration of earthly goods and the fruit of men's labour. 2452. The goods of creation are destined for the entire human race. The right to private property does not abolish the universal designation of goods. 2453. The seventh commandment forbids theft. Theft is the usurpation 
of another's goods against the reasonable will of the owner. 2454. Every manner of taking and using another's property unjustly is contrary to the seventh commandment. The injustice committed requires reparation. Communitative justice requires the restitution of stolen goods. 2455. The moral law forbids acts which, for commercial or totalitarian purposes, lead to the enslavement of human beings, or to their being bought, sold, are exchanged like merchandise. 2456. The dominion created, granted by the Creator over the mineral, vegetable and animal resources of the universe cannot be separated from respect for moral obligations including towards generations to come. 2457. Animals are entrusted to man's stewardship. He must show them kindness they may be used to serve the just satisfaction of man's needs. 2458. The Church makes a judgment about economic and social matters when the fundamental rights of the person or the salvation of souls requires it. She is concerned with the temporal good of men because they are ordered to the sovereign good, their ultimate end. 2459. Man himself is the author centre and goal of all economic and social life. The decisive point of the social question is that goods created by God for everyone should in fact reach everyone in accordance with justice and with the help of charity. 2460. The primordial value of labour stems from man himself, its author and beneficiary, by means of his labour Man participates in the work of creation. Work united to God can be redemptive. 2461. True development concerns the whole man. It is concerned with increasing each person's ability to respond to his vocation and hence to God's call. 2462. Giving alms to the poor is a witness to a fraternal charity. It is also a work of justice pleasing God. 2463. How can we not recognise Lazarus, the hungry beggar in the parable? In the multitude of human beings, without bread, a roof, or a place to stay, how can we fail to hear Jesus? As you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. Okay, very good. So tomorrow we'll continue with the Eighth Commandment. And starting the Eighth Commandment, we'll read 2464 through 2470. God bless.